0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jeff Ellis, your host, and thank you to all the WKYC listeners out there. Before we get into our great host today, uh, I want to remind everyone to go check out BuiltBar.com. They are our sponsor, and it is a product I use daily. BuiltBar.com promo code locked on. So, as I said, we have a great sponsor, and or not great. Well, as I said, we had a great sponsor, but in addition, we have a great guest, and I couldn't ask for better timing in terms of uh, the guest we have on today. We have James Fox. Uh, I'll give him a chance to say his Twitter, so I don't mess it up. Now, James does a lot of covering of the White Sox and some really great work covering the White Sox uh he is a podcast co-host over at Future socks and editor a writer at Southside Sox um uh, we've had i feel like probably hundreds of talks through the years on uh, a Twitter i was trying to think about it today i think it went back to my over aggressive placement of jimmy lambert might have been our first discussion way back <laughs> three 4 years ago but uh yeah tell them you know uh give your twitter handle and uh just uh, you know whatever you want to say. Like I said, when I was thinking about who did I want to have on from the White Sox, James was the one that was the first White Sox person I reached out to.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, you know, you've you've joined our podcast over at Future Sox in the past. Very uh, enlightening, obviously during during MLB draft time. You know, you're one of the best guests we have on. So um, I can be found on Twitter at JamesFox917. Um, it's pretty easy. So I'm my all my all my work is generally right there.
0: Yeah. And like I said, it's I think one of the fun things about Twitter, um, I get to avoid most of the negativity, but it's meeting people like you over the years or just fun interactions and a chance to like, what do you think is going to happen? Or what are you hearing? And, uh, you know, you've really been one of those people that has such a great handle and understanding on the White Sox in general. Uh, it's been a crazy off season. I know it necessarily didn't start the favorite for most Sox fans, but uh, the last 24 hours, you know, everyone's talking Lance Lynn, but they also went out and gave Adam Eaton a, a, a fair chunk today. What are your kind of thoughts about the last 24 hours as a White Sox writer? And fan?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think the Lance Lynn thing, you know, has kind of been rumored Texas. I mean, you know, the big talks were at the deadline last year. And, you know, the talk was that, you know, they wanted something even more real than Dane it, you know, like they were Andrew Vaughn, Michael Kopech territory. And that's the issue with the White Sox farm system is that like Andrew Vaughn and Michael Kopech are top 25 prospects in baseball. Like guys like that don't get traded, but you know, usually, but the Sox don't have like a bunch of guys like in that 60 to 100 range that were expendable to be traded for a Lance Lynn at the deadline. So it kind of just like didn't happen. You know, well I got some inclination last night that Dane Dunning and uh, Avery Weems were on their way somewhere. Um, you know, just like some of the prospects were kind of talking about it in their inner circle and I had caught wind of it, but I I didn't know where he was going. And obviously, you know, I think the deal makes it quite a bit of sense for the Sox and for the Rangers. Dane Dunning's pretty good. Um, but Dane Dunning will be 26 in season. He's probably a number four starter. He's probably not ready to give the white Sox 160 plus innings in 2021. And Lance Lynn is, and you know, I said on Twitter the other day, I'd rather part with a Dane Dunning or Dylan Cease right now than any of the young prep arms that the white Sox have drafted. And mostly because Lance Lynn is going to take the rotation spot that Dane Dunning would have anyway. So, you know, I do think it's, you know, it's a lot for one year of Lance Lynn. I do think they'll extend Lance Lynn, but again, they traded for one year of Lance Lynn. So, you know, I, I think the price was fair. I think a lot of Sox fans, it hurt, you know, for some, but it should. Um, that You know, people were big fans of Dane Dunning after seeing him this year. I just think you know, with a new pitching coach, like Ethan Katz, I think Ethan Katz prioritized Michael Kopech and Dylan sees quite honestly, because they got a little bit better stuff and, you know, they deemed Dylan Se- or they deemed, uh, Dane Dunning expendable in a deal like this. And I think that's, you know, that's probably why they made it, but it's also a guy that can slot right into a Texas's rotation and they're rebuilding and, you know, he'll get his opportunity to pitch down there. So, you know, good for him. I think it, I think it works. Uh, it works for both sides. Lance Lynn is a huge, huge addition for the White Sox, especially if he pitches like he has been. I mean, he's probably their number two, I would think, right now.
0: It seems like kind of the classic win win where Lance Lynn, it was interesting. I went, I dove into a stat cast last night, and, you know, there has been some decros- uh, velocity decrease and some hard hit increase, very short sample, but he made up for that with increased spin on his curveball. So he's one of those players where he's, Yes, he is aging, but he's also seems to be adding tools and Dane Dunning. I mean, he could be great, but we are a lot of the valuations out there are off of what three games. So you understand why the White Sox are going all in, especially with Lance Lynn's salary. It allows them to do more by getting a player at his cost than, you know, if they were to go after a Zach Wheeler or someone like that, there was a lot of reasons why it seemed very logical. And even if they don't keep Lynn. I mean, as you mentioned, it's like Kopech is right there waiting to be the next guy up. I know he has missed some time and might work mostly as a reliever this year, but they have that depth, and that depth just keeps, I don't want to say keeps getting better, but it's you know—it's crazy to think about. Like, I'm not the biggest Garrett Crochet guy, but I understood why they drafted him, and I think they're using him in the best possible way. I think he could be a dynamite reliever. I'm still not completely sold on him as a starter. Uh, the new pitching staff, though, is a great group to work with him, but even if he stays just you know, a high-end reliever that that's a tough bullpen to begin with and a good young rotation that they're not slotting in a solid arm. They had really one weak spot offensively and, you know, we'll see what Adam Eaton has, but if nothing else, the, you know, he's going to be an upgrade. It's hard to not look at the White Sox and not see this team. And it is kind of funny that they signed Eaton after trading Dunning, who came over in the Eaton deal as well. You know, that, that that happened in the same 24 hours. But I mean, they're setting themselves up. And then I hear they're still not done, right? They could still look to add a DH or another bat. Yes, yeah, so, could be there.
1: Yeah, so it seems like right now, all the talk is that Liam Hendricks is like their top target, right? And I'm, look, I'm not huge on, paying a ton of money for bullpen guys and free agency. Right. But if Liam Hendricks is like three years and $39 million or something like that's, that's fine. Like that's nothing. Like I don't, you know, I don't like the Wade Davis $70 million contracts for, for big bullpen guys. Right. But I mean, Liam Hendricks is like really good. So, you know, if that's their move where they're going to prioritize like $13 million a year and do that, um, You know, I think that's fine. The other rumored name is, it's kind of funny after talking about Adam Eaton, but, you know, I think there's a very high likelihood that Jose Quintana comes back to the White Sox too. So, you know, like that's, they traded Jose Quintana and and Adam Eaton to get like a big part of like their team right now. And then they're just going to like bring those guys back because they know them, you know, the Eaton thing was very weird today. Um, I've been on the Jock Peterson train, I think, You know, his profile works like with the Sox, like they need a lefty power hitter that could hit righties. You know, I think maybe he wanted multiple years, so they went with Eaton instead. Maybe they're, you know, they don't want another high strikeout player um, in their order. I don't know what it is. And I I honestly don't even know if Eaton's the final piece of the offense. I mean, I'll like Eaton a lot better if they do something else, like if they add another left handed hitter that could possibly play some outfield so Eloy could DH some. Um, Andrew Vaughn is obviously in the plans, but I would be stunned if Andrew Vaughn breaks camp with the team. I just like, I just don't see that happening. The white Sox have sent guys down to get the extra year pretty consistently here. And look like as good as Andrew Vaughn was at the alternate site, he hasn't played higher than high A Winston Salem. So my guess is Vaughn starts down whenever minor league baseball starts and we see him at some point. So I'd be surprised if it's like a Michael Brantley or something, because I think that blocks Andrew Vaughn. I don't think it's somebody that blocks him, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, there is another versatile, you know, lefty hitter that they could, you know, play against right-handers until he's ready type. And one of the names I heard today that I mentioned on other podcasts is that they, the White Sox have some interest in Mel Rojas um, coming over from the KBO so I think it's only a minor league deal though. So he, he might have better options than that. So we'll see. I mean, I, I definitely don't think they're done. Um, I just don't know how much, how much more they're going to spend. I mean, it seems like a typical white Sox off season where they kind of, you know, they move the money around instead of like one big target.
0: Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, any our listeners of the podcast should be familiar with Rojas. I spent some time on him recently just because, you know, Indians were going to be pinching pennies. <laughs> You got to find the Mel Rojas and the Robbie Grossman of the world if we're hoping to get some outfield help. Uh, But, uh, you know, with the White Sox, you mentioned the deals. It is kind of fun to look at this team. And I feel like, you know, you hear a lot of talk about other GMs and, you know, who's good or who's, uh, you know, who have bigger profiles. But when you look at this team, you know, I remember when White Sox fans were just hoping uh, they would do a full rebuild. And then you look at the return that they got, they had three big trades and every single trade is paid off. Like that doesn't happen. The fact that they have turned all three of their trades and many of them into multiple pieces is, is phenomenal. And then the drafting, I know talking to White Sox fans over the years, I've I've gotten to know the fans because I had that weird stretch of like three years in a row of predicting their pick in September. And I know fans are tired of the college approach, but they've done really well with that at the same time too. Like they've not really, missed since Zach Collins, maybe in a, as a first rounder, like they've Han is just in terms of the trades drafting. And, you know, you talk about a reliever, that's already a pretty strong bullpen in my estimation with all the young pieces. It's, uh, I mean, as a white Sox fan, are there, there's no complaints, right? At this point in time, I mean, you have to just love everything he's done over the past few years, more or less.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people like Rick Hahn, but you know, there's always issues with Jerry Reinsdorf and the way he runs his baseball team, because I mean, it, look, it is a large market team in a division full of small market teams and Jerry Reinsdorf acts like more of a mid market team, right? But he doesn't get any of the compensation picks or the extra international slot money or any of the perks that small market clubs get. So you know, Major League Baseball thinks he's a big market club. And I think a lot of fans are, I mean, there are a lot of fans frustrated with this offseason. I think that they can make a couple more moves and they could win the American League. But I do think, you know, fans at some point, they were told that it was going to be different and that they were going to spend money on premium free agents. And I just think a lot of people thought like that meant George Springer, Trevor Power, like when that happens, you know, and when that doesn't happen, they think that, you know, it's the same old White Sox. but you know, it kind of touches on what you said. Like, I think, you know, the front office kind of knew that like, they were never going to be this team that goes into free agency, like excessively like that. So they needed to trade players away like they did in 2016 and they needed to hit on their trades and they did. And I talked about it, you know, back then I said, you know, it's very unlikely that they're going to hit on like all these like big deals. And then they kind of hit on all of them. Right. So, you know, at least with like the big parts of it, your Eloy Jimenez, Yohan Moncada, Michael Kolpak, uh, Lucas Giolito. Dane Dunning was just used to do something else, you know? Like, you still have Ronaldo Lopez who might be salvageable, like in a bullpen possibly, you know? And then the drafts, like you said. Like, I don't think they've drafted great, but I think, you know, White Sox fans need to take a look at other teams' drafts and realize the White Sox are at least, you know, middle of the pack there. The one thing they've done well is drafting – like pitching in later rounds that is that has contributed in the big leagues, right? So like you don't set out to draft bullpen arms, but I mean, when you've got Aaron Bummer and Jace Fry and Cody Hoyer and Matt Foster and all these guys that end up being parts of a big league bullpen, that's just like one less thing that you have to pay for because you know you've found guys in the draft. I brought it up earlier today with Avery Weems was the the second part of the Texas trade. The White Sox have the last couple of years have taken a, a high school heavy approach in the draft, where they've, you know, they've they've overslotted some high school picks and they've underslotted later. Avery Williams is a six round pick out of Arizona. He was a senior, ten thousand dollars signing. That's like a throwaway signing, just a guy that you know is going to be an org guy in your system. Well, he was awesome at Gray Falls. He gets with their development people. They they hammer out a plus slider and, and his fastball ticks up in relief. So now you're talking a guy that, you know, was a $10,000 senior sign that's in, that was going to be in their top 30 at baseball America that you just used in a trade to get a number two starter. So, you know, that's like a really good use of, of resources like on the, on the scouting and development side.
0: Yeah. I, you know, as you're talking about that, it did strike me this year that, uh, It's interesting in a lot of these trades, like the Angels ones, how many of those 2019 draft guys have value right now? Because that's like the last scouting opportunity some teams had for in-depth. So uh, it it is interesting with Weems because the 2019 scouting report doesn't really hold any value anymore. That was entirely based on on other stuff uh, because as you said, what's played up. Uh, I'm going to ask you about the Indians in a second, get that outsider opinion on them. But first, quick little break here for our sponsor, Builtbar.com. I talk about them on the show every day. And it's not just because they're a sponsor. It is legitimately what I eat for breakfast every morning. I have ordered three or four packages myself because I find it to be a tasty bar. It gives me good energy. And I know when I scan it in my little app on my phone, it gives it an A grade for protein and everything else. It is grades out, it's a healthy, tasty breakfast, lunch, whatever you need, protein type of bar. So go to builtbar.com, use that promo code locked on. Get 20% off your order. I wish I could still use that code. So trust me, you're gonna to wanna to take advantage of that. Go try it out. I am yet to hear a bad review. We're very excited in the uh, locked on chat because they're sending us another sample box this month as an end of the year thing. And I think that says all you need to know about Bilt Bar where we're getting excited about the free samples that are coming from them as much as we are about some of the trades that are occurring. Billbar.com promo code locked on. So it's always good to get the outside opinion because in general, when we talk about the Indians in Cleveland, the view tends to be either too happy or too upset. And a lot of the views sometimes in the media are not as in depth as we need. So outsiders opinion, where do you think the Indians are? Where do you think they'll finish? We know they've, they've got, we know Lindor not going to be there. I think we can all agree to that and it makes it hard to a degree to figure out the Indians because we don't know what that return is going to be, but you know, is this a team that can squeak into a wild card do you think they can finish second or are they just strictly third in this division going forward
1: i think they can look i'm gonna pick the white Sox, um obviously and it's not just look most years i wouldn't i just think the white Sox have the best team i mean but, i'm gonna pick them too you don't have a, to defend yeah, it a cleveland look like i'm 34 years old um i always say frequently the cleveland indians destroyed my childhood so you know there's really no love loss but you know, I think I can look at things objectively, you know, it's just always about money and their, their pitching development is the best in the sport and it has to be right. Because it's like the only way that they really stay afloat. Um, You know, I kind of think they're, they're always going to be in it as long as they have Francona and, and they can just come up with five starters. I mean, I feel like they're always just like creating another one and every trade they make, there's, you know, some, some guy that everybody thinks is a number four starter that they like get the most out of in their profile. And that, you know, they turn him into like a guy that just like shoves. So, you know, I think they're fine. I think they're them and the twins, like, yeah, they can be a wild card. I mean, I think a lot of it's going to depend on their Lindor return. I think the pandemic hurt them a little bit, just kind of like, um, the Cubs as well. Like they probably missed the boat, on getting a premium premium return for Lindor. Now it's going to be just a good return instead of a great return. And they, you know, they waited a little bit long, but you know, I think it happens. I mean, you know, there's a fine line between like selling your best player. I don't know how the Cleveland fan base feels about that. I mean, I feel like there, there can't be many people holding out hope that he's like staying or something at this point. I mean, it seems like it's gotta be a foregone conclusion that he goes. And I would think Carrasco probably goes to save money, but you know, hopefully for their sake, Um, you know, in an off season like this, there's enough guys left where they can, you know, patch together something that works. Like I think a Robbie Grossman makes sense for them in the outfield. Um, You know, I, I feel like even like a guy like Tommy Lestella is probably too much money, I would think, but you know, like they, Antonetti and uh, you know, who's, who's the GM Uh, that just just turned Yeah. That turned down the Mets job. Those guys are great. You know, I mean, to, to compete every year on the budget, you know, with the budgetary restrictions that they have, like they have to be great. So, you know, I, I'll never discount the Indians because, you know, it's an absolute pitching factory, but you look at those lineups and you wonder how they ever win. So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's definitely three teams. Um, Detroit and Kansas City are at the bottom, but look like Kansas City and Detroit are are, are building something as well, I think, you know, and they need, they probably need to capitalize on, on trades too. That's the one thing Cleveland has always done. Cleveland has always capitalized on trades like early. And I think in the case of Lindor, you're sitting there with a guy, you know, that has one year left on a deal. That's what, like, is he $20 million in ARB or not quite? I mean, it, you're just... Somewhere between 19 you know. to 20 million. Yeah, and the that's the thing. I mean, you're talking three or four teams in the entire sport right now that could even give you anything for him. So, you know, you're very limited as far as, you know, what you're going to get back.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see because Kansas City and Detroit, I feel like... You know, I want to give uh, Chris Young, who's like been on the job a week, a lot of credit down in Texas because he just recognized the situation and went out and made that trade. And I feel like I've spent the last year talking about how they blew the Mike Miner situation and Chris Young wasn't going to do that again. And we've seen Kansas City and Detroit kind of both miss their windows on these trades. Um, I mean, imagine Matt Boyd's value two years ago versus now, for instance. But those are up and coming teams with some interesting pieces. And I think it's just hard as an Indians fan to sit back and, and realize there is a legitimate chance that in 2021, 20, uh, they're going to have a lower payroll than they had in the, sh- the 2020 COVID season. Like they might actually open below the, you know, one third of season COVID numbers like that is possible. And that's what, uh, what I think hurts as an Indians fan. It's, uh, You know, or we talked. I talked about the Zips projection on the show yesterday. That Nolan Jones right now is projected to be the third best hitter, and it's a guy who has 90 at bats at double A. It's it's not um, not an ideal situation. I'm very curious to see what is going to happen with them. I you know the White Sox are setting themselves up well. It's like outside of losing James McCann, they're just kind of reloading, getting better at other positions. It's hard to see them as anything but the favorite because, you know, the twins had the questionable pitching to begin with, and they're probably going to lose Oda And we'll see what happens with Nelson Cruz, but it's going to be, it should be a fun season, at least in the central, Um, you know, Detroit and Kansas city are promoting their prospects. We, it could be a very competitive year. It could actually hurt teams getting to that wild card with every team, at least, you know, there's no, there might be some cupcakes, but we don't have anyone punting seasons anymore in the central is what it certainly feels like.
1: Yeah. Cause even like the Tigers aren't very good, but you know, they hired AJ Hinch. I mean, they're not gonna, they're not trying to lose I feel like. Right. And Kansas city today signed Carlos Santana. So, you know, that's Carlos Santana wasn't as good last year, but he still gets on base and that's, you know, just another move for them that doesn't really seem like they're doing it just to flip him. That might be to maybe try to win a little bit. I don't know. Kansas city does weird stuff like that where they try to compete and be bad at the same time. But yeah, I mean the the division is definitely you know it's 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 th- three teams at the top, right? And the White Sox are ascending and the Twins are you know, I don't know that they're they're necessarily getting worse, but you know, it's tough to get better when free agents don't want to go to a place and then yeah, Cleveland and then spreading. yeah, and then Cleveland, you know, has their same issues as always, but like I said, I never count them out cuz they got, you know, I don't know, you know, Tony La Russa, I guess might be the best manager, but you know, Terry, Terry Francona, I would say is probably the best manager in the division and they have the best pitching infrastructure. So as long as you can pitch, man, you got a chance.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting division. I know uh, fans are probably surprised. I haven't talked about the Carlos Santana signing. Uh, It does sting, but I mean, were you surprised by that? I don't know. Like, is it someone who wrote about things that first baseman coming off a down year at his age, getting that much, I was kind of like, what is Kansas City doing? Like, I mean, good for them. I hope he performs for them because as an Indians fan, I love him. But didn't that seem like a little bit of a, an odd deal at a two-year deal for him?
1: Yeah, I thought it was weird. But Kansas City, you know, Kansas City does weird stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I look, I thought he'd end up so- – the money didn't seem crazy, I don't think. Like, I thought the money seemed normal. I just kind of thought, you know, he might go to a, a, a contending team. But – you know, I, he probably just jumped on whatever his best offer was. I mean, yeah. they gave him, they signed Mike minor, they signed, uh, what M- Michael, uh, Taylor from the, from the oh, Nats. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of like Kansas city's offseason so far. So, and look, I mean, Carlos Santana has like an awesome first half. They can always turn around and trade him for something. So.
0: Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, the Indians now don't have a first baseman, uh, a center fielder, soon they're short, you know, the person who had the most of bats at center field and first base are both gone. Uh the fat part of their platoon is gone in what in right field and their shortstop soon gonna be gone and their second baseman could be gone. It's it's a weird team, but you know, we're we're holding out hope here. But I guess my question to you then with the White Sox is at this point in time with the White Sox, I know you know they're still not done. What are the spots you feel like the White Sox still need to tackle?
1: So I think they'll, I think the bullpen is next. Um, I think it's closer if it's not Liam Hendricks, you know, it could be Kirby Yates or they could bring back column which I wouldn't do. I I would prefer a harder thrower back there. Um, You know, and then there's, there's Trevor Rosenthal too, I think who has some history with Tony La So I think that's the spot Um, if they want to add another left-handed bat to DH, like I said, you know, Andrew Vaughn's on the way, but not immediately those are probably the two spots and then i do think they add one more starter because i don't michael kopeck they're they're expecting big things um you know he was he was great at, in instructs apparently um but i doubt he starts with the big league team on the innings limit that he's going to be on so my guess is one more cheaper veteran starter um bullpen Maybe like one other left-handed bat, and you know then they'll they'll probably be done, but look, there's a ton of players on the market so they could they could wait till February and get somebody a lot better than I'm even expecting I feel like at this point
0: since you do do a lot of stuff with prospects uh, a lot of my fan base just likes to know about him in general, who is the White Sox prospect that doesn't get enough talk right now?
1: ooh that doesn't get enough talk um I mean I think everybody knows the top guys um, I think Jared Kelly is going to be top 100, like really, really soon. I think as soon as he pitches, like he's, you know, he's probably going to get put up there. Um, I guess I would go, I'll go Andrew Dahlquist probably. Um, I think Andrew Dahlquist is like as safe as it gets for a prep arm. You know, they took Dahlquist and Matthew Thompson. Matthew Thompson has more upside, but Andrew Dahlquist is probably more likely to reach his. Um, The mechanics are great and he's throw in like ninety four, ninety five. So my guess is that low A rotation will have Andrew Dahlquist, Matthew Thompson, and Jared Kelly in it. You know, and they have a Cuban import coming in January, Norhe Vera as well. I mean, that could be that could be their rotation in, in Low A. And they haven't had impact pitching like that that's that young in a long time because they've been so college heavy. So that that's that's something that's interesting that'll be interesting to follow is all those guys.
0: Yeah, I think As the outside observer, the interesting thing about the White Sox is they've done all the promotion, uh, a lot of central pieces up with that team, but there's, it's still a deep system. Like normally, like there's still teams that can have a good, you know, the upper level, but in spite of all of those promotions and that being a young team, the depth is still there. I think that's what stands out. Yeah,
1: They have have a lot of guys where like last season hurt them quite a bit like from a trade talk standpoint because you didn't see anybody. Right. But Jake Berger's back completely healthy. I think Gavin sheets like has made strides, even though look like he's a first baseman, but I mean, there are guys there, right. That you could use as a piece to like get a bullpen arm at the deadline. Right. It's not like a completely barren system. It is going to lack, lack, upside. It's probably going to be in the back half of the teens or early twenties. Like as soon as Michael Kopeck, Andrew Vaughn, Magical or in the big leagues, you know. Then you're looking at a system headed by like, you know, like Jared Kelly and next year's first round pick. But yeah, I mean it. But but you're you know hopefully going to be winning 95 games in the big league, so it's fine. You know that's like that's the trade off. So not everybody can be the Dodgers.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So the I, top five, I, top five system, and you know winning 100 baseball games a year. It's insane. Yeah. So.
0: It's it's uh it's just not fair. I'm I'm curious so, to hey, how so many players. They many, lose in the rule five.
1: Oh, I know. It's going to be crazy. So, That's hey, really, while, quick. really, really quick here while I'm here. Who, who yeah. your, uh, you uh, you predicted the White Sox first round pick all those years. Who do you got this time at 22? I think I'm, I think I, I think I know who you might say.
0: Part of me wants to go Sam Bachman from Miami. Um, Interesting. Cause they do have a lot of Mac roots and they do like college guys. And he does have kind of a, a crochet ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like he's got that explosive pitch. Um,
1: I was, I was going to guess Ryan Cusick of Wake Forest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He makes sense there as well. If I was, I mean, there's so many bats too, at that point in the draft, I could guess, uh, Gunnar Hoagland could make, but he doesn't have the big arm. Like it, it has been yeah. interesting when they go, yeah. they go for more that big arm guy, which is where Bachman would make some sense. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I did not get the pick last year. Um, not even close. Uh, I don't know what my chances are this year. And it'll be interesting Fingers crossed, you know, baseball is a lot easier to play than the other sports, you can do yeah. a lot more spacing. So, hopefully, we'll get a college season of some form and like some real scouting. Because, with the, I mean, it's he's not a new scouting director, but last year was his first draft, and this will be really the first time he's going to be
1: 20 rounds yeah. on his own. Yeah, Mike Shirley is power pitching and athletes, so you yeah. know, we'll see.
0: It should be, uh, you know, it's an, an interesting team, uh, and like I said, it's just, I enjoy watching them uh in general and I I don't have baseball teams I hate like I've other sports where I just hate teams and I, I you know yes I do actively root against the Yankees and the Red Sox um just as an AL fan but I don't dislike the White Sox and I like a lot of the players there over the years so um I will say I think if the Indians can't win the division I would prefer the White Sox to the Twins I might be in a minority in Cleveland in that but I am uh that, that's kind of how I'm aligning with that team this year and you know, I think after the long rebuild you guys have had, it's uh, it's got to be fun to be on this side of things and seeing. I mean that that could be they could pass the Twins or the Yankees for best lineup in baseball this year if everything goes right.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think so. I think it might be the best the best offense in the American League. You know, I think you know there, there's a lot of fans that are still not too thrilled over the Tony Larusa thing, but I think you know once you once you take a little bit of a step back, you know, it's still. One of the best teams in the American League, and you can still root for the players on the team and kind of just forget who's managing. So mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, this was awesome. I really appreciate you coming and talking about a White Sox, a team we both agree it should start the year as the the Vegas favorite. And uh also getting kind of that outside perspective on the Indians. Uh, you know, for as much of doom and gloom as there are there is, it's still a team that has uh, you know. Shane Bieber and Jose Ramirez, likely. I mean, crazy things can happen heading into next year, so maybe not as doom and gloom as uh, some want to make it be. Uh, James, just to remind them again, where they can find all of your stuff.
1: Yeah, so I, I can be found um, on Twitter at James Fox nine one seven, and then I, you know, I'm a writer and podcast host over at Future Socks, uh, which is the White Sox minor league blog where we cover the team there, and then uh, over at Southside Socks, I do big league content there.
0: Again, thank you for having me. Uh, I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked on Indians podcast. And sorry, James, but I always end with go tribe.